Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Interstate 5 Series postgame show. I'm Henry Schulman. Well, the Northern California squad in this best-of-seven Golden Great series has jumped to a 2-0 lead with a 5-2 victory at Candlestick Park in Game 2. Once again, the story for the NorCals was one Barry Lamar Bonds. He has hit four homers in the first two games while punishing pitchers from vastly different eras. He victimized Don Drysdale and Garrett Cole in Game 1. In Game 2, he hit a pair of homers off Hall of Famer Walter Johnson, the big train one of the best pitchers and hardest throwers in the early part of the 20th century. Bond's two homers off Johnson accounted for four of the five Northern California runs, which was more than enough for Tom Seaver to get the win. Tom Terrific went the distance, throwing a three-hitter. Thanks to Seaver and Bonds, the NorCals take a 2-0 lead south for games three, four, and if necessary, five, which will be played in Southern California. Now I bring in the mastermind of these two wins, NorCal manager uh, Bruce Jenkins. Bruce, you have to be feeling pretty good about how these things are going. Yeah, a couple of games in San Francisco, one at Seals and one at Candlestick. Uh, we're going to say maybe, I don't know, 1960 at Candlestick, real windy and real big. You can use your imagination there. But yeah, it really did work out well. I mean, you know, Bonds, for heaven's sake. Uh, I see Ted Williams and George Brett on the other side, and I'm going, this this may change eventually. But um, Bonds has been unbelievable. Uh Tom Seaver had a had a tremendous performance today, and uh, what can I say? I'm very happy. Yeah, and you know it always helps when uh, you know kind of uh, going back and forth on who should start game one, and Gabe Kapler actually picked the uh, the game one starter. He went with Randy Johnson over Tom Seaver. You win a game with Randy Johnson when he doesn't even pitch all that great in game one, and then you have the luxury of having a Tom Seaver come in. Uh, I mean, that's a manager's dream, isn't it? Yeah, that was perfect. Uh, I think I would have uh, opened with Seaver or maybe even Dave Stewart. But yeah, Randy Johnson, uh, pretty rocky, but he lasted all the way to, to, through eight. And uh, and yeah, coming back with Seaver out of out of Fresno is uh, is it, quite the luxury. I'm sure he wasn't a comfortable situation for him. But you know, in, in this dugout, you're looking around and saying nobody's saying, "Hey, give me this or give me that," because there's legends everywhere you look. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure in the clubhouse there's some stuff you don't know what's going on behind the scenes because that's what players do, right? Exactly. Uh, I don't need to hear that. You don't need to hear that. Okay. Yeah. Well, 2-0, uh, 2-0 is a pretty big advantage. Uh, I mean, there have been teams that have come back from down 2-0, uh, but you never know. They've uh, they Southern Californians have the next three games down, down there. And, um, you know, like I said in the uh, introduction, uh, it always helps to give the – uh, it always helps to give your pitcher a, a lead pretty quickly in the game. And uh, just as in game one, Barry Bonds set the tone for this contest in the first inning. Batting second, he stepped to the plate in the bottom of the first with nobody on. Here's John Miller with the call. Why not nobody on here in the last of the first? And the Hall of Famer, Walter Johnson, the big right-hander, to Barry Bonds. Bonds, who hit two home runs yesterday. Now, here's the pitch. Swung on, and Bonds has done it again. Deep into right field and way back over the screen, and the kids are chasing that one here at the stick. 
third home run of the series for Bonds already. One to nothing. No count. Yeah, that, there's Bonds. I mean, boy, you know, this is a guy who did not have a great postseason reputation. I mean, he had a reputation as a guy who who would choke. And, and uh, I mean, he, he's not choking here in postseason, is he? <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's erasing all that. For those who count fantasy baseball as meaningful in any way. Um, I think we always expected this from Bonds every postseason. Well, this is going to be the one where he just completely takes over the series. And it, it didn't really happen until – I mean, when it happened in 2002, they didn't, his team didn't even win. But, but uh, right now, with two homers in each of the first two games, that sounds like Bonds. Okay. Uh, I mean, did you hear anything about his post-game interview? Was he, was he yelling at reporters? Was he surly? Was he nice, Barry? He was pretty nice. Uh, we had to wait an hour uh, before <laughs> we – he actually turned around from tying his tie and buttoning his shirt. <laughs> and uh, I got there a little late. I was, there were 17 deep in front of me, so I was just trying to uh, – hear it as best I could but uh you know I'm 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 managing the team I was just kind of eavesdropping on that see how that went and it was pretty much typical bonds yeah and uh you know that I mean unlike game one uh I mean in game one bonds uh, hit the home run early and I mean it unleashed a torrent of offense but you had Walter uh big train Johnson on the, on the mound uh and and he settled things down uh right after that um and it turned into a pretty good pitching duel between Tom Seaver and Walter Johnson. Um, just fun. It's just fun watching two guys from two different eras like that, you know, maybe 60, 70 years apart uh, going at it. Absolutely. I mean, you hear about Walter Johnson. You see the old films. The guy had a great face. He, he threw sidearm, and everybody talked about him as uh, that's just the hardest thrower I've ever seen. You know, Bob Feller or Nolan Ryan would come along, and these guys would still go back to Walter Johnson, you know. And, yeah, I would certainly have to think he was the equal of the guys uh, over the years who threw 100 miles an hour plus. I mean, it's just a, a baseball in the human arm, so it's absolutely conceivable that a guy in 1913 was whistling the ball up there like that. And, uh, you know, having Bonds come up there against him, I'm, I'm sure he challenged him. And, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, it, it must have been difficult for Bonds if they were using, like, the 1913 baseball, which had spit and dirt and everything rubbed on it. You can't see it. And if there's any glare coming in, um, you know, if a, a high-and-tight fastball, you're not going to escape. Now, uh, Seaver, Tom Seaver, took a no-hitter into the fifth inning, and it was still a one nothing game. That all changed in the fifth when George Brett, the pride of El Segundo High, homered for Southern California's first hit and a 1-1 tie. The NorCal's got the lead right back in the sixth on a Ted Williams homer, so it was 2-1 to one when Frank Robinson stepped to the plate in the bottom half. Here's John Miller on the call. Last of the sixth inning, Northern California trailing 2-1. to one. Frank Robinson, the great Hall of Fame slugger from the East Bay, up against Walter Johnson, the Hall of Fame right-hander here at Candlestick Park. And the pitch on the way. Robinson swings, and he blasts one deep in the right field. This one has a chance way back there, and goodbye! A home run for Frank Robinson to tie this game. Robinson, who had 586 home runs in his brilliant career, with an opposite field home run here at the stick. Well, you know, Bruce, that this was going to be a pitcher's duel, unlike the first game, which was 11-6. Was to six. And uh, it, it was a 2-2 game, uh, actually, when, when it got into the I believe it was the seventh inning. Uh, and yeah. yeah. And Walter Johnson is, is still on the mound and um, so is Tom Seaver. So we're having an old fashioned kind of world series batter. And uh, the way the series had gone, you'd, you'd figure a home run might uh, you know, it might, might settle things. And uh, 
And in the seventh, with Johnson uh, on the mound, uh, the Northern California catcher, Ernie Lombardi, the schnoz, who already had a great defensive play. We'll talk about that in a minute. He hit a double to right center. Ricky Henderson did what Ricky Henderson does. He walked. So now they're two on for the guy who has been the most dangerous bat in the series so far, Barry Bonds. And here's how John called it. Barry Bonds, very excited to be back here at Candlestick Park in the original configuration. He has often talked about, as a kid, going to Candlestick with his dad, Bobby Bonds, and especially when Willie McCovey would come up, uh, Barry and uh, his buddies would head out to right field where there's a big open area near the bleachers to uh, hope to maybe get a McCovey home run souvenir. Well, there are a lot of kids out there right now as Bond stands in all these years later. And Walter Johnson with two men on into his stretch and the pitch. And Bonds blasts one deep into right field, way back there. And this is going to be a souvenir, a three-run homer to right field for Barry Bonds against Walter Johnson, no less. And that breaks a 2-2 tie. No cow with a 5-2 lead in the last of the seventh. And that gave the Northern Californians a 5-2 lead, and that's where it stood. And as I alluded to, uh, Ernie Lombardi, a catcher from the middle of the 20th century, uh, he had a face only a mother could love. Um, and, uh, you know, with that uh, schnoz, I encourage people to look that up on, on the Internet. Um, he, uh, he had made a defensive play that you didn't often see uh, back in the, in the 50s or 40s and 50s when Jackie Robinson was at the height. Could you tell us what happened? Yeah, uh, he, Ernie Lombardi, great catcher from the late 30s. He led the league in hitting and schnoz. He, he was uh, he, he was a double double dipper that way. But um, he um, so earlier in the game, Jackie Robinson got on, and Houston Mitchell sent him. As of course you would, like I did with Ricky Henderson every time he got on. And would you know it? Ernie Lombardi throws him out at second. Throws out Jackie Robinson stealing. So when Lombardi leads off the inning here, the seventh with the double, of course you pinch run for him. But th there's a pretty big drop-off at catcher for me after Ernie. I, not to slight Stephen Vogt or Joe Ferguson in the slightest, but when you're talking about the caliber of players in this series, that's the one position on either team where there's a severe drop-off. So I, it's, the game is tied here. And if it goes late, I'm going to want Lombardi's bat. And I just sort of honored that defensive play by not pinch running for him there. Uh, Ricky drew the walk, and then that sets up the big uh, Bonds homer to, to right field uh, for five to two, and that's how it stood with Stever going yeah, the distance. I mean, it's a good thing that uh, for the NorCal's that Bonds hit one out because it would have taken two more triples to score one <laughs> exactly from second base. He was uh, he was Benji Molina before Benji Molina, uh, yeah. one of the slowest players. So that was kind of a gutsy decision there to to leave him in and not take him out for a pinch runner because you know you, you know what he can do behind the plate. So with the Bonds homer, Seaver completing a three-hitter, 2-0. Uh, the Northern Californians are up in the series. Now it's going to shift to Southern California. And then game three will be at Dodger Stadium, and it'll pit Vallejo's CC Sabathia and uh, Jim Palmer uh, for, for the Southern California team. And uh, that, that's interesting. You know, CC Sabathia has been a controversial figure in sort of the um, – uh, planning leading up to this series there are some other pitchers for the northern californians that gabe kapler could have picked uh so we'll have to see how that turns out yeah that that's going to be really interesting uh going into game three because uh you know gabe kapler did pick um cc sabathia for that and it's interesting because i i had assumed that he was only going to pick 
the the opening night starter, he and Dave Roberts. Turns out they picked the first three. So I'm handed the first three starters. All right, CC Sabathia. We're talking about a guy's best year. And, you know, CC was phenomenal around 2007, 2008. Uh, we all know about Dave Stewart. And there's I've had emails from this. What about Stewart, you know, and everything else? And so we're going to go with CC. I'm fine with it. I'm back in Kapler's call, and we'll see how he does. Okay, and if it doesn't work out, you know uh, who the fans could blame. Not manager Bruce Jenkins, but pre-manager Gabe Kapler. Um, <laughs> all right, well, good good luck in game three, and uh, I look forward to doing the post-game show when that one's over. You bet, Henry. Talk then. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Giant Splash or A's Plus podcast so you can hear future recaps from this Golden Greats World Series.